Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I've so enjoyed those break-the-box testimonies. Each one has been unique and different and just so thankful for all that God is going to do and what God is doing uh, in and through our church. And let me just say before I jump right in uh, this morning, there is Compass Class. The last uh, eight-week session of um, the year starts today right after the 11 o'clock service. So if Compass Class is something you've thought about doing, uh, I, I promise it'll be well worth uh, your time and investment. So make plans to join us after the 11 o'clock service for Compass Class. Today I'm going to kick off a brand new series entitled Beautiful Feet. Um, and this series, um, I'm going to be dealing with something that is very near and dear to God's heart as we prep to go into at the movies and all the big things that are coming up here uh, during the fall at Bethesda Church. Um, this is a very strategic time of year for us. Anybody actually excited about at the movies coming up in October? Man, I'm, I'm super excited. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to that said their first time here was ATM was when you hear ATM at the movies, uh, and they'll give me the year. It was like 2014 ATM. That was my first Sunday, or ATM in 2017, and and it's it's literally been um, dozen, maybe even hundreds of stories that have connected their first time uh, attending our church was through this series that we do, um, and so I'm excited about the next few weeks as we prepare for at the movies, not only with all the practical things and setup and the logistics of at the movies and and all of that but I want our hearts to bend towards what God's heart bends toward and that is that the lost become found how many know if we are a church at the end of the day yes let's heal the sick let's raise the dead let's cast out devils but if we don't do anything else make sure that we are bringing people out of darkness into God's light that we are rescuing the lost that, is, that has to be paramount. It has always been paramount here at Bethesda Church, uh, and we're going to continue to make it uh, extremely important for us here in our local setting. Today, I want to talk to you about the E word, and I'm sure a lot of you know what the E word is, uh, and that, that E word is evangelism. Everybody say evangelism. The purpose of this series is to encourage you to join Jesus's mission in evangelism. Hudson Taylor said this, he said, the great commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. In other words, evangelism is not a professional job for a few trained men, but it is instead the unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the company of Jesus. Alan Moeller said, at the end of the day, the biggest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. That's a powerful statement, but how many of you believe that if you have been rescued, delivered, healed, saved, 
on your way to heaven that you should be focused on those who are not in relationship with Jesus Christ and doing everything in your power to share the message of the gospel with those who are perishing. And that's got to be an individual thing, but it also has to be a corporate thing. And we got to ask ourselves, what comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism? What do you think about? What thoughts do you have when you hear the word evangelism? Some of us are quick to think about a man holding a sign in the streets that says, turn or burn. Right? That, that's what we think about. We think about a man holding a sign that says, turn or burn. Or maybe you think about a sign that says, beware, fornicators, adulterers, idolaters. Maybe you, you think uh, of, of a preacher who pointed his finger and said, if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. Uh, and, and all these things are true. I, I believe that we have to turn or we will burn. I, I believe that we have to repent or we will end up in a place called hell. How many know this is the gospel? I, I believe that. But I think sometimes our methods and the way we go about evangelism is not the way Jesus went, away, went about evangelism. And, and one of the beautiful things about Jesus uh, and his message and the way that he went about evangelism is that he did not use canned scripts, but he, whatever the situation, however it presented itself, Jesus would adapt and he would minister the message of the kingdom effectively and he would see life change. Um, I think that one of the things that we need to do in, in our day is that we need to put the beauty back in evangelism. For a lot of people, it is, it, it's not beautiful at all. Uh, we're uncomfortable with evangelism. We don't like talking about it. For, for some, this 10-letter this word uh, has become almost like a four-letter dirty word. We don't like evangelism. We don't want the responsibility of it. But I want over the next three weeks to put the beauty back in the word evangelism. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel either. I, I, I identify with the Apostle Paul, but I am ashamed at how many people do evangelism. I how many of you have ever done evangelism and you look back and thought, that was dumb? Come on, I need y'all to smile at me. I need you to get honest for just a minute. Some of the things that we do to reach people, um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but oftentimes I am ashamed at the way we go about trying to reach people. And here's what the scripture says. This is where the title of the series comes from. Isaiah chapter number 52, verse number 7. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. I want you to notice the word beautiful there is attached to the messenger that brings good news. This, this, how many know that the message we have is good news? I'm going to ask that again. How many of you understand the message we have is good news? The gospel is good news. And you can see in that scripture it says who brings good news, the good news of peace. Peace, that's good news. Salvation, that's good news. 
In a world that's crazy and chaotic, the good news is that the God of Israel reigns. That is all good news. So how in the world do we take such a wonderful message and a lot of times we make it goofy? (laughs) It's a question that I have for us today. Why do we take something that is meant to be beautiful, something meant to be life-changing, something meant to be filled with good news and turn it into something that no one wants to participate in, no one wants to hear it, no one wants to be a part of evangelism. And I think we need to be really, really honest today because most of you, if you were being honest, you would say, Pastor, I would love to hear a sermon or a series on a lot of things. I mean, you could talk about the Holy Ghost, you could talk about baptism, you could talk about sex, you could talk about money, you could talk about a lot of things, but I really don't want to hear a message on evangelism. And the reason we feel like that is because a lot of us, we're not engaged in the mission of Jesus. And, what I, and I don't mean corporately. Corporately, our church is engaged in reaching lost people. It is normal for our church to reach lost people. But it needs to be normal that you reach lost people. It, it, it needs to be normal. It needs to become priority. The, the definition of evangelism, if you looked it up in Wikipedia, it defines evangelism as the practice of, of relaying information about a particular set of beliefs to others who do not hold those beliefs. This definition stinks. This definition is not beautiful. It's not beautiful feet. This is stinky feet. That's a terrible definition of evangelism. If I tell you that I'm going to the dentist to get a root canal, that is not good news. I am relaying information to you, but that is not good news. But if I tell you I won a brand new car, how many know that is good news? That's more than just relaying information. And I think a lot of times we are missing out in the good news of evangelism because it comes from a Greek word that literally means good news. Evangelism means good news. That's where we get the word gospel from. It means that my life should model good news. It's why the Bible says that my feet are beautiful when I share the message of Jesus Christ. That the message is not just talking about Jesus, but how many of you understand? It is about living and demonstrating the life of Jesus everywhere we go. That is me gospelizing. That is me evangelizing everywhere I go by living a life that honors God. And so we need to ask, why, why don't we do more evangelistic things? Why don't you as an individual, why don't you have that conversation with a coworker who you know is not in relationship with Jesus? What prevents us from sharing this amazing message? Watch this, that changed our lives that changed the direction of our life? Why are we not taking this good news, this message, and sharing it with the people all around us? The church is meant to be a place of good news. And evangelism is not about some canned script, but it's about Jesus inviting us to be a part of his mission. 
And when we look at Jesus, we can see how he, in one setting, would offer water to a woman that would quench her thirst forever. In another setting, when he was doing evangelism, he would answer a theologian and, and answer their question, and that answer would change that person's life. In another setting, he would talk to a rich young ruler about what it means to have eternal life. In another setting, he would offer a dying thief the opportunity to open up his eyes in heaven. And so how do we rediscover the beauty that we see within the scriptures? Why do Christians struggle with evangelism? I'm going to give you three quick reasons. Number one, the first reason we struggle with it is fear. This is probably the most obvious reason. We are intimidated when it comes to sharing the gospel. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid that we might not have the right answers. Someone may ask us a question and we don't have the answer to give them. Sometimes it's the fear of losing a friend. If I have this conversation about Jesus, if I invite them to church, if I take that next step and tell them I'll pray with them and for them, I may lose this relationship. And so fear oftentimes plays a part in evangelism. And we've all been afraid at times to share the gospel. Um, how many of you would admit that there have been times you've been nervous or afraid to share the gospel? Have you, come on, raise your hands high. I want to see where all the, the real people are. Um, the rest of you are lying. <laughs> but we, we've all had fear when it comes to sharing the message of Jesus in certain settings. How many know it's easy to get up in a church service and hold a microphone and share Jesus at church? This is easy to share Jesus. That's, I mean, it's, why else would we be here? Like, if we're not sharing Jesus, can we just close the doors, right, and go home? But, but about sharing Jesus outside the four walls of the church, how are we doing that? How are we going about it? Are we allowing fear to keep us from sharing the good news? Paul wrote to a young man by the name of Timothy who was dealing with fear. And he, he had fear so bad that the, the Bible tells us he had stomach ulcers. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writing says, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. So do not be ashamed to tell people about the Lord Jesus. God did not give you fear. God has given you power. God has not given you fear. God has given you love. God has not given you fear. God has given you the ability to do incredible things, but you got to be willing to step out, say the prayer, have the conversation, call the person, say, can we talk? How many are ready to get out there and share the good news of Jesus Christ over these next few weeks? God is going to strategically put some people in your path. I'm praying he puts some people in your path, and you're going to be a little bit uncomfortable to have the conversation, but you're going to, you're going to move past the fear, and you're going to have the conversation and begin speaking to them about this good news. God has not given us fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Did you know that the antidote to fear is love? The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. When you love someone, you will press through the fear to tell them the truth. The issue is how much do we love? 
How much do we care? Many people will say that church people don't care about them. That is the perception a lot of times. And usually that's, that's because when the media covers the church, they only want to cover the bad parts of church. They never want to cover the good things. There probably won't be a camera down here when we're helping those in recovery get a bed and diapers and wipe. They probably won't be anybody here covering that. They want to cover the bad things. But we need to know that the world does not care about our message until they know that we care about them. And if we don't love them and we don't care about them, then they're not going to listen to our message. That love is what drove Jesus. Love. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave. Jesus came, why? Because he loved us. And because he loved us, he left all the glory in heaven to come and demonstrate what the kingdom looked like. And so none of us would listen to a person. I hope you don't take advice from people that you think hate you. Like, if I'm in a pickle and I need advice, and that happens a lot, I don't call people whom I know don't like me and ask for advice. And yet many times the world, the church wants to hate on the world, and then we're upset when they don't want to hear our message. Listen, holiness, I'm, I'm going to make some religious devils real mad right here. Holiness is not about how many people you make mad. I need somebody to just clap on that right there. I'm not even going to, if I go down that trail, we'll never recover. But sometimes we think holiness is how many people I can offend, how many people I can make mad. What you've done is you've cut off a lot of people from hearing the good news that you want to share because you think holiness is about making everybody mad. Listen, if you make everybody mad, who are you going to share the good news with? Who are you going to share the gospel with? You, people need to know that you actually love them and care about them before they're going to listen to your message, but you got to be willing to push through your fear to share that message. Fear keeps us from evangelism. Secondly, lack of relationships with non-Christians. The longer we are Christian, the less Christian friends we have. You know what that means? It means we end up at a place where every direction we look, they're all saved. My spouse is saved. My kids are saved. I work at a I'm a pastor. How many know everybody's supposed to be saved? Now, I have questions sometimes. Everybody's supposed to be saved. Um... But you, you, you serve God, and the longer you serve him, usually the less Christian friends you have. Your circle becomes smaller many times, and a lot of times um, we, we say things like, I'm supposed to be separated from the world, and I, I believe that in, in the way we live our life. But Jesus never meant to separate from the world meant for you and I to isolate from the world. And I think a lot of people have confused separation 
from isolation. We don't, we don't know the difference. Uh, until Jesus comes, we got to live in the world with people that don't know Jesus, and we don't go to our house and live in a bubble in isolation and pretend that there isn't a world on its way to hell, but we've got to engage with the world. Some of the teaching going around right now, that those people wouldn't like Jesus because the Bible says about Jesus in Luke 7, 34, look at him, he is a friend of sinners. Now, where does that fit in some, some, some people's message? How do we look at a verse like that and not think for just a minute that maybe we need to do small groups? You need to get in a group. I, I believe that, that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. I believe discipleship takes place in the context of relationship. But I'm telling you, it, we, are, we are doing the gospel and the message of, of the kingdom a disservice if all we do is come to church, then go to our small group, and only hang out with the people we go to church with, and we never put ourselves in a situation to have conversations with those that do not know God. I want to challenge you to get out of your little Christian bubble and have some conversations with people that do not know Jesus and let's invite them to be a part of what God is doing. He went to their parties. He hung out with sinners. And it reminds me that it's, it's not the, the well that need a physician. It's the sick. And I think sometimes we come to church and we have a good time, and I think we should have a good time. But I'm not having fun if the lost aren't being saved. And the reason for that is because heaven and hell are realities. And every single person will spend eternity in one of two places. And so our goal should be to make sure, as Reinhard Bonnke used to say, that heaven is full and hell is empty. That should be our heart. That should be our desire. So how do I build meaningful, true, authentic relationships with people who do not know Jesus? That's one of the things that you need to be thinking through. How, how do I develop the type of relationship with people that are lost, that I can have a conversation with them, that I can talk to them, about Jesus. Successful missionaries have to adapt to the culture they are in in order to relate to them. Jesus, watch this, Jesus became like us in order to reach us. He stripped himself of all that he had and became like us. Why? Why, why would he do that? Because he wanted to reach us. Many times it's fear, many times it's lack of relationships with non-Christians. Number three is apathy. And let me say about apathy, this is the worst reason. This is the attitude that says, I've got my ticket to heaven and I don't care about anyone else. And that's not what Christianity is because when you and I become Christians, we are now, we join the mission of Jesus. The Bible says that we are co-laborers with Christ. And what is the mission of God? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
If there is one thing that pierces the Savior's heart with grief, it is not the world's iniquity, but it is the church's indifference. How can we be indifferent to a world that is lost, to a world that is dying? We, we sit around in our Christian circles sometimes and talk about how mad God is about all the sin and all the iniquity, and I'm not saying God is pleased with all that. But I am saying sinners are supposed to sin. I've tried to teach you all that for nearly 17 years. Sinners are supposed to sin. And it is our job to reach them with the gospel. It is our, do you know one of the signs of the, of the end times that Jesus said, I'm not coming back? The Father said he's not coming back until this gospel of the kingdom has been preached to every single person? So even God is saying, my timetable is based on heaven and hell. My timetable is based on your willingness and obedience to do evangelism. Come on, hit your neighbor real quick and tell them, you can do better. Come on, that's the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody else, you can do better. One thing Jesus didn't do, one thing... Um, I want, to, I want to say this. In Revelation 3.16, the Bible speaks to us. It says, you are, Jesus speaking to the church, he said, you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. We've read that scripture, many of you, uh, numerous times. And it's where God is basically telling the church, he said, you've got a lot of stuff, but you are lukewarm. And it almost sounds like he would rather them be lost than to be so indifferent. And I think a lot of people come to church and they check their Sunday box and have lunch after the service and they don't really think about God or the things of God or heaven and hell or any of that stuff again until the next Sunday when they come and they check the box again. I don't want Bethesda Church to be a church that doesn't care. I don't want us to be so indifferent that we all feel like we've punched our ticket, we're on our way to heaven, I don't care what else happens. How many of we can do better than that? We can reach the loss. We can do it. I think the reason the church a lot of times falls into a lukewarm state is because we, we've turned this relationship with God into a religion with a list of minimum requirements to get in. It's religion and whatever the minimum requirement. People will ask, can I still do this and get in? Just get out of my face. Like, go, go, go sell ice cream. Go do something else. Like, you're not serious. Can, can I do this and still be saved? Can I do this and still be saved? We want, we want religion. We want to punch our ticket, but then we want minimum requirements. And nowhere in the scripture does Jesus teach us that. He didn't say, here's your list of minimum requirements and you'll be all right. Jesus actually said, take up your cross and follow me. Give up some stuff and be a part of a greater mission. That Christianity is not a religion, it is a movement, but we've made it a religion and emphasize minimum requirements so that we can go to heaven. Out of the three that I've mentioned, which one of these fits you? Is it fear of sharing what God has done for you? Is it simply right now there's not that many lost people in your circle? Or is it apathy? 
you don't really care about lost people going to hell. You don't really care that people are not in relationship with Jesus. Over these next few weeks, I want you to come with an open mind so that we can start reaching people. I can remember in a season past, and, I, and this is just to brag on God a little bit. Obviously, some of this is pre-COVID, but I remember a season where we had like 70-some weeks in a row where people got saved on Sunday mornings. You say, well, you must have been preaching real good. No, I know me. I've listened to my sermons. I'm not that great of a preacher. But there is something about the Holy Spirit moving and people's hearts joining the mission of Christ, having conversations outside the four walls of the church, not afraid to invite their friends, their family, their neighbors, their coworkers to come to church. How many know if we'll just do that part, the Holy Spirit will do the rest? He'll do the rest. So I want you to re-envision this E word. This evangelism word. Number one, let me give you three things. I'm going to leave you with three things. Number one, evangelism is not something we do. It's something God invites us to join. It's not just something we do. It's something that God invites us to join. Now, don't take this out of context. Jesus lives in you, correct? And, and it's great for me to say, and it would be biblical to say, you know, take Jesus with you out of these four walls. Take him with you. And, and that's true. But here's the part I think we miss in saying, take Jesus with you, go out, reach people, share the good news. What you don't understand many times is Jesus is already outside the four walls of this church. And he's already working on the hearts of the people you're going to talk to. He's already preparing them. He's already dealing. When I was lost, y'all, when I was lost, like not, I'm not talking about, you know, before I started preaching, I'm, I'm saying when I was in the world and I wasn't living for God, I still had moments where the Holy Spirit was messing with me. There are people all around you that the Holy Spirit is already messing with. Can I say it like that? He is already speaking to. He is already convicting. He is already telling them that he's got something better for them. And you are another piece in that puzzle. You are joining the mission of Jesus when you share the good news. Because God is, Jesus is not just the Lord of the church. He is the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. God is working overtime in our world, preparing people to hear the gospel. I've told this story before, but I'm going to go ahead. I didn't plan to say this, but he's already working on people. Um, many, many years ago, I, I need to throw a little humor in because y'all haven't laughed at all. Um, but I, I just need to insert this right here. Um, years ago, and this is one of the reasons why I don't do massages. Everybody's like, do you like massage? No. And it has nothing to do with the massage. But when you go in to get a massage and you, you're under that towel and your face is in that hole and, and you, you, you're there, you're ready, you're ready for that moment, you know, that, that incredible moment where it's just you and Jesus and your back's better and all that stuff, you're ready for that. And they ask you, what do you do for a living? And you wasn't prepared for it. Because had I been prepared, I would have said, I'm, I'm a plumber. 
but I was not prepared. And so I said, I'm a preacher. And the moment I said, I'm a preacher, the lady to do my massage, and she visited here, the church, after the fact, too. This is crazy. Uh, she hit her knees. I'm under a towel. My face is in a hole. She's on her knees saying, I've been asking God to send someone here. My life's messed up. My family's messed up. I need Jesus to save me. I'm telling you, if you'll get in... If you'll get engaged right there in the Greenbrier, she gave her life to Christ right there on the spot. That was about a decade ago. I've, I've done maybe one or two massages since because I'm afraid of what might happen when I get in those places. It's a little awkward to lead someone to the Lord in your underwear. Awkward. But how many know the Holy Spirit is outside the four walls of the church and he don't care what you got on. He don't care what your plans are. He'll mess with my plans and your plans because he wants the lost to be found. Give him praise if you're thankful for what the Holy Ghost will do. Now, y'all, some of y'all, I can't even mess with y'all. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. It says, walk with me and work with me. This is the message translation. Watch how I do it. This is Jesus. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus is saying, come and join me. In other words, there, there is music that is playing over your coworkers, over your neighbors, over your friends and family members. And Jesus is asking, do you want to join the dance? Why is he asking us to join the dance? Because he's already been working with this person. When you see two people dancing, you never think about who is winning. It's, it's about both of them going along with the music. It's about the unforced rhythms of grace. We think evangelism is about conquering someone. It's not about conquering. It's about joining the mission of Jesus. It's about the fact that he is already working on the hearts of the people that live next to us, that work beside us, that go to school with our kids, that play on the same sports teams as our kids. I'm so serious about reaching people. I want to do whatever it takes to do it. I believe we are living in the last days and we need to make it of the highest importance that we are sharing the gospel with as many people as possible. I'm so serious about it that I, I want to see hundreds, thousands, I want to see millions come to know Jesus. I want, I, I want that to be what moves our church. So number one, evangelism is not something we do. It's something God invites us to join. Number two, evangelism is offering God who we are. It's simply offering God who we are. Some of you are like, I don't like to talk to people. I'm shy. I'm not a salesman. I know. I, I get it. I'm an introvert by nature. I'm shy by nature. I've had to overcome a lot of shyness to do what I do. But did you know only about 10% of the body of Christ would be 
probably what we would call having the gift of evangelism, like that office of evangelists. Only about 10% actually have that gift, like where they just walk in that, live in that. The rest of us, it's not about us having a gift. It's about us caring enough to share the message of Jesus. The point is offering who we are. You cannot give God someone else, but you can give God yourself. And so whether you're shy, an introvert, whether you're bold and talkative and talk too much, all of us have to give God ourselves and say, God, use us. Let us be vessels that can speak into someone else's life. Romans 12 and 1 says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. This is how God made me. I'm shy. That's how he made me. He made me bold. He made me talkative. He made me whatever it is. I'm going to take who I am, and I'm going to offer it to God. And Watch what God will do if you'll offer your life to him. Number three, this is the final takeaway. Evangelism is not slick marketing, but a sincere concern for another person. It's a sincere concern for another person. We are not gospel salesmen. We are travel guides. We help people see what they might not be able to see. 2 Corinthians 2.17 says, We do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity, as those sent from God. So evangelism is not something you do to people, but it is something that happens when you and I are with people. If you will give yourself to God and believe that God is calling you to join him, you will hear God say that he is working on some of the people that are connected to you. He's going to ask you, do you hear the music? Are you willing to join the dance? Maybe someone you're connected to that doesn't know Christ, their marriage has fallen apart, and and evangelism is simply saying, can I pray for you? Did you know that? That is a seed. That is a door being opened. It could be that someone that doesn't know Christ and their finances are in trouble and they don't know how they're going to pay this month's rent. Do you know what evangelism looks like? Turn, it's not turn or burn, baby. You know what evangelism looks like? You've got the money to meet the need and you pay the rent until they can get their feet back on solid ground. They may even ask, why would you do something like that? Because Jesus gave me something I could never deserve or earn. And I'm going to give you something with no strings attached. That's evangelism. It's not all preaching three points and a poem. Sometimes it's as simple as loving people where they are. I'm going to say this. I want, you, I want it to stick. Stop getting mad at sinners for sinning. Especially if you won't even take a step to pray for them, share the love of Christ with them, but we'll sit around and complain about how they're living. If they're sinners, they're living 
the way they're supposed to live. You want us to talk about how you were living? Did I say that out loud? I, I just thought that. Are you getting anything out of the Word of God today? <laughs> I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet as the worship team comes. I got a couple little things I'm going to leave with you. The best thing we can do, and listen, I want you to, to begin prioritizing the people that live next to you that aren't saved. I want you to prioritize coworkers that are not saved, family members that are not saved, people that you know, they're not in relationship with Jesus. And I want you to begin by praying for them, simply by praying for them. The great evangelist, Billy Graham, greatest evangelist of our time, he said, prayer is crucial in evangelism. Only God can change the heart of someone who is in rebellion against him. No matter how logical our arguments or how fervent our appeals, our words will accomplish nothing unless God's spirit prepares the way. That's what Billy Graham said about evangelism. So I'm gonna ask that you do something for me this morning. Doc, you can come grab this. There's a connect card in the seat back of every chair in this room. And I kind of debated on whether or not I was gonna do this, but I want every person to pull out a connect card, grab a pen. Come on, just grab one. You're gonna take this with you. You're not gonna leave it here. This is for you. It's not for me, not for Bethesda. This is just something you're gonna do. And I'm not gonna make it very difficult for you, but I, I just sense that it's crazy for us to come in here and preach the gospel to each other and we're already saved and all that stuff. How many believe that we got to do our best to get the lost people into a relationship with Jesus? Do y'all believe that this morning? I believe that. So what I want you to do is I want you to take that connect card and I want you to jot down and, and preferably people that live close enough that you could invite them to church to come with you. Now listen, I don't want you writing on that connect card someone who has another church. Hey, our church is better than your church. Hush. I'm so sick of that garbage. Anybody else sick of that garbage? Find someone who doesn't have a church. Someone who is not in relationship with Jesus. And I want you to jot down maybe one to two, maybe even three names of someone that you could have a conversation with over the next couple of weeks, someone that you could pray for, someone that you could invite to come. Listen, one of the reasons we do ATM, I've told you all this before, ATM is not my favorite because it puts me outside of my comfort zone. It's a stretch for me to even do that series. It drives me nuts. It's a whole lot easier for me to get into a room with a Bible and write a sermon than it is to watch movies and try to find points and pull all that stuff together. It drives me crazy. But here's the thing about that series. Something happens when you all invite people. They come to that one. They come. And they come like easily. Easily. They show up. Why? Because we got food. We got candy. We watch movies at church. Yeah, at church. And they show up. 
not even knowing sometimes that at the end of those messages, we're going to present the gospel that you're a sinner and the only way to be saved is to follow Jesus. And we give that altar call and many of them, their hands shoot up in the air and they've been here for years because they came to one at the movies series. So I want you to jot down two or three names. Right now, take the minute just to do that. Jot them down. Someone that you know that is not in relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit may give you the name. I feel like he's given me a family that I'm supposed to talk to. Write that family's name down. Whoever it is, whoever it might be. It could be a coworker, friend at school. We want to make sure that we're praying. And this is what I want to close with. is a strong connection. How many of you actually listened and you wrote down a name or two? Got a name or two. And I feel the Holy Spirit in this room. Worship and evangelism are connected. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Worship and evangelism are connected. And I'm, I'm just going to do something a little bit different today. If you, if you need Jesus, let me just do this real quick. If you need Jesus, you're like, I don't want to wait for at the movie. I just need Jesus. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Say, that's me. Thank you for this hand. God bless you. Thank you for this hand. God bless you. Anyone else? us to pray out loud with these two hands right here that just went up. God's, this is the best decision you've ever made. I want y'all to look at me. It's the best decision you've ever made. I want us to pray together. We're going to pray with you out loud. I want everybody to say this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me. I choose to lay my life down and to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you celebrate these two individuals that just gave their life to Christ? God bless you. I'm, I'm doing something totally different here because worship and evangelism are connected. And I believe that God can heal your body. He can set you free while we worship. But I also know from scripture that worship and evangelism are connected. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, she'd been married five times. The man she was living with wasn't her husband. And he's having this conversation. And what you would think the conversation would be turn or burn. But the conversation was about worship. And the conversation so wrecked this lady that not only did she give her life to Christ, she went and she evangelized her entire town. Her whole city got saved because worship and evangelism are connected. In the Old Testament, when they would begin to worship, it would literally shift the atmosphere of a room. 
it would change, that there, there was a different sound. And I just hear the Lord saying that as we worship, as we lift Jesus up, as we lift up the name of Jesus, that he's going to begin winning the lost. As we worship, how many believe that lost people are going to be saved? I believe lost people are going to be saved. So here's what I want to do to end this service to get ready for the, the next several weeks. I want us to get as close as we can. I want everybody to get out of your seat. The worship team's gonna do a new song. We're just gonna spend some time in the presence of God and we're gonna worship him and let's watch the Holy Spirit work. God bless him, bless you guys. Let's give him a praise. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.